Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled you're with us. You can watch us on YouTube, actually. I believe that link is on the 93 WIBC Facebook page. Uh, You can also go to YouTube and search for 93 WIBC and you'll see that streaming live. And uh, you're welcome to do that as well. There's a, I haven't pulled it up yet. But there's a chat feature on YouTube, and there are people who go on there and ask questions or make comments. And if I get the time to check that out while I'm also doing live radio, I try to respond to that. Uh, Or uh, you can also send me uh, questions or comments uh, on social media. I'm on Facebook at Guy A. Relford, and I'm on Twitter at just at Guy Relford. And by the way, I've been more active on Twitter here lately and uh, I'd love to start building my my Twitter audience. I've I've been a little bit uh, neglectful of Twitter. In fact, we had a a funny exchange one day. I was complaining about having relatively few Twitter followers, and and my producer at the time said, "Well, guy, do you ever say anything interesting on Twitter?" <laughs> I said, "Well, no. I'm 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 going to build more of an audience." And they said, "Well, that's not how it works, man. You got to be interesting first, and you build an audience second. And I think that's a fair characterization. But uh, if you're a Twitter user, uh, check that out. It's at Guy Relford on Twitter. I'd appreciate the follow. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about self-defense. You know, here this last week, uh, a trial ended down in Travis County, Texas. And this was regarding a shooting that happened in Austin on July 25th of 2020. And this was during what My friends Hammer and Nigel often refer to as the summer of love, but it was during uh, all the protests. Black Lives Matter and Antifa uh, resulting from the the death and what ultimately was determined to be the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And, you know, we saw those riots uh, right here in Indianapolis. We saw businesses uh, gutted. We saw downtown Indianapolis uh, devastated. It's something that still breaks my heart. I'm a longtime Indiana, longtime Indy area guy uh, to the point where I remember being a little bitty kid and my parents bringing me downtown for the lighting uh, of the lights on the circle and to see the then sort of rudimentary animatronics that you could see in the store windows like at Ayers and Blocks 
uh, and that was a big deal. And 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 I worked downtown for quite some period of time. I still work downtown here at the radio station. We broadcast right here from the circle. And to see Indianapolis devastated the way it was is something that that really broke my heart. It made me sad. Uh, it made me angry. And a lot of discussion arose after all those riots about the ability to use force in self-defense or the ability to use force, including deadly force, to defend your property, including your business. Can you use a firearm to defend your business? I mean, a lot of discussions arose out of that. But circling back, let's talk about the trial of Daniel Perry, which I believe just ended Friday. And Daniel Perry was a guy who was, I believe, an Uber driver, one of the ride-sharing services. And he was in Austin on July 25th, and it was during a whole series of protests. And I've seen different videos uh, of Austin that evening. I think it's fair to call it a riot. It was certainly a, um, a, a, a protest involving a lot of people. And he was in his car, and he came to a particular street. If you're familiar with downtown Austin, I've spent a lot of time in Austin. I had a bunch of cases down there early in my career. Sixth Street is kind of like it's kind of like Bourbon Street in New Orleans, but it smells better. I mean, there are there are a lot of clubs, nightclubs, music places, restaurants. Just a really cool area. Uh, now Austin's gone just incredibly liberal for being a town in Texas. I mean, just crazy liberal. So, okay. University of Texas is there. Um, And you you think, well, gosh, it's Texas. It's gone incredibly liberal there, right there in Austin. But anyway, the downtown area is neat. It's beautiful. I love the the Texas State Capitol, which is there in Austin. Uh, I fell in love with Texans. First time I walked in the State Capitol down there in the the big, beautiful marble floor under the rotunda of the Texas State Capitol. First of all, they built the rotunda to be exactly one foot taller than the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Well, I respect that. That's kind of cool. They did it intentionally. And then the the big, beautiful uh, emblem uh, insignia there on the marble floor beneath the rotunda doesn't say State of Texas. It says Republic of Texas, which, of course, it was for a period of time. Uh, before becoming a state, and uh, and they left it that way, and they left it that way for a reason. So, anyway, I, I've always been fond of of Texas, and I've always been fond of Austin, notwithstanding the polit- politics and the direction that town's gone. Well, going back to July twenty fifth, there's protests going on, and Mr. Perry is downtown, and at one point he sees there's a protest going down one particular street. And he turns toward the protest. And that was a big part of the trial. It just ended, and by the way, flash forward, it ended with his conviction for murder. Not manslaughter, murder. Which means there's some level of premeditation of all. And he turned toward the protesters. As he did so, and in here, and there's no real good video of what all happened, so Prosecutors, defense lawyers, the jury were all, by and large, restricted to witness accounts. And the witness accounts varied dramatically. But as Mr. Perry approached the protesters, 
One of the protesters named Garrett Foster, by the way, both from what I've seen, uh, both Garrett Foster and uh, and Mr. Perry or or Daniel Perry are both both white guys. If that makes a difference to you, I don't know that the legal issues uh, change much at all. Um, when you look at, for instance, who the protesters were that were involved in the the shootings uh, that ultimately were found to be completely justified by um, by Rittenhouse in in uh, in Wisconsin. But at any rate, as he turns down the street, that is, Perry does, Garrett Foster, one of the protesters, approaches his car carrying an AK-47. Now, just like Indiana, there's no law against being out in public with a long gun. I've been to rallies and whatnot uh, at the state capitol here in Indiana where a lot of people are carrying their ARs, carrying their AKs. Okay, it's legal here, it's legal in Texas. But Garrett Garrett Foster approaches Daniel Perry's vehicle with the AK-47. Daniel Perry says Garrett pointed it at him, at which point he defended himself. And he shot Garrett Foster five times. Foster died. And a lot of people looked at this and said, well, obviously that's justified. You're in your car. You're surrounded or at least approached by a whole bunch of protesters. There have been a whole history of violence and property destruction. Across the country, we saw videos of of people getting drug out of their cars and beaten or worse. And so Daniel Perry said, as he approached my car and pointed his rifle at me, the only thing I could do was defend myself. And that's what I did and claim self-defense. The Travis County DA brings charges. Had an eight-day trial, two days of deliberation. And a jury comes back and finds him guilty of murder. A lot of people upset by this. A lot of people are saying the jury simply disregarded Texas's law of self-defense. Governor Abbott in Texas says that it appears to him that the jury simply ignored Texas's law of self-defense and that he intends to pardon Daniel Perry, quote-unquote, as soon as it hits his desk. That's good news for Mr. Perry. The bad news is, in the meantime, he's been convicted of murder. Well, what are the ins and outs of this? And how does this relate to those of us here in Indiana under Indiana law in similar circumstances? And oh, by the way, there's some discussion. I put this on my social media today, both Twitter and Facebook. There, at least one knucklehead out there on social media on Twitter was saying, hey, the NRA annual meeting is coming up this week in Indianapolis. And this guy posted, and, and, and do me a favor, don't go find this and retweet it or give this idiot any more attention than he already has. This dude had, I looked him up, he has 71 followers. And because people are retweeting what he put on Twitter, his tweet now has, I don't know, four or 5,000 views. I'm like, man, if we'd have just ignored this dude, nobody would have seen it. But people who don't like what he said are retweeting it with their own commentary. I screenshot it and put it on my Facebook, and I commented on it on Facebook, but I did not retweet it. But at any rate, 
this guy said the NRA annual meetings are coming up this week. Might be a good time to start some, quote, good trouble. Hashtag good trouble. So I don't know. I didn't search for what hashtag good trouble means exactly. But I have a feeling if this guy has Antifa or or those kind of leanings, that probably means something violent or approaching violent. And, and and I think it's reasonable to assume that. Good trouble. Again, I don't could that simply be exercising your First Amendment rights? Sure. It's absolutely protected. Yes. I would fight for anybody's ability to exercise the First Amendment rights. But there's now some discussion of some protests or whatnot, some good trouble, let's just use his term, during the NRA annual meetings. All right, well, let's talk about the riot situation, how the law of self-defense applies, and some things that happen in Daniel Perry's case in Texas that were not helpful. And I talk about these things all the time. When I teach my law, my law, my class on Indiana gun law, I call it gun law, but the primary focus is on the law of self-defense. In a four-and-a-half-hour class, we spend a good two hours on the law of self-defense. Well, there's some things that happened that evening, some things that Daniel Perry did that were not helpful to his own case and could very likely have been the reason the jury decided to convict him, notwithstanding the fact he had a pretty solid claim of self-defense when he's sitting in traffic during a protest and somebody walks up to his car with an AK-47. We'll get into all of that and take your comments and questions at 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We'll get into a little more detail on the case of Daniel Perry and what may may very likely have contributed to the jury's guilty verdict that came down Friday. Right now we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Ralford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're glad you're with us. We're talking about this case in Texas, Austin, where Daniel Perry just got convicted of murder. And you say, man, hold on. You know, he's ostensibly minding his own business. He's an Uber driver, gets caught up in the middle of a protest, and somebody approaches his car with an AK-47, he defends himself, yet he got found guilty of murder. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Because there were some things leading up to that trial that did not at all help Daniel Perry's case. And it's important to talk about because it, 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 those of us who were on social media and those of us who discuss issues like self-defense, use of force, and I, and I caution people all the time on this and people tend to roll their eyes at me or, or even want to you know, call me names like FUD or WIMP or whatever because I supposedly am not advocating enough or supporting enough their ability to shoot people. But when I caution people on this, I got to tell you, I'm going to start using the specific examples of Daniel Perry's murder case. Because what prosecutors were able to 
get into evidence, and let's back up a little bit. The, the rules in virtually every state, including Indiana, I'm going to talk specifically about Indiana laws. We'll use Indiana law as sort of an overlay over the Daniel Perry circumstances. But the law in most jurisdictions, and specifically in Indiana, say there are certain things that preclude you, prevent you legally from even claiming self-defense. And a jury's told, if you're found, any of these things happen, the defendant cannot successfully claim self-defense. One of those is if you're the initial aggressor. I talk about this every time I teach my gun law class. If you're the initial aggressor. And, and, and there's a whole set of these rules, and I call them the you're the bad guy rules. What does that mean? Why do I call them the you're the bad guy rules? Because you can't claim self-defense if you're the bad guy. When does the law say you're the bad guy? Well, the most obvious one is if you're committing a crime or escaping after the commission of a crime. But right after that, it says, if you provoke the unlawful action against you, the provocation exception to self-defense, if you provoke someone, and Indiana goes on to say with the intent of hurting them, then you can't claim self-defense. The other is, as I mentioned, initial aggressor. In other words, you started the conflict. And people need to understand this. A jury will be told, if you're the initial aggressor, if you instigate the conflict, you can't claim self-defense. People don't understand that. And the other is called a mutual combatant rule. In other words, if, if you essentially enter into an agreement with another person, to have a physical conflict. Yeah, the best example is you know, two drunk guys in a bar and one challenges them, hey, you, parking lot, let's go. I'm kicking your ass. The other one goes, hell yeah, let's go. And they both pump their chests out and they go marching out to the parking lot. What are those two people at that moment? They're mutual combatants. They've agreed to go have a fight. And if one of them hurts the other one and gets prosecuted, he can't claim self-defense. Why? Because he's a mutual combatant. So, provocation, initial aggressor, are the ones we should focus on in the context of Daniel Perry. And by the way, I, I made some of these comments on Twitter today, and immediately people came on and said, oh, you're excusing the protesters, and you're, you know, you're, you're siding with the prosecution, and yeah, people are all upset and calling me names, and I just said, no, nah, you're missing my point. There are some lessons here that we all ought to learn. It's not endorsing the jury's verdict here. But I will tell you there are facts that witnesses testified to. You can reject that testimony. You can find it not credible. You can find it not believable. You can say the jury should have rejected it. But there are facts the jury heard to the extent they found that testimony credible and believed it over conflicting testimony, where they could legitimately convict Daniel Perry. Now, again, people don't like hearing that. Hold on. You're siding with the jury. You're siding with the protesters. I'm not siding with anybody. I'm telling you how the law works. I'm telling you how a jury works. Do I think the jury got this wrong? I think probably so. But at the bottom of the hour, we're going to take a break. I'm going to go into some of these facts, and I'm going to tell you about some really knuckleheaded things. I'm sorry. It's knuckleheaded. 
as a gun owner, someone who keeps a gun in your car, someone who carries a gun, it is knuckleheaded for you to put these kinds of things on the Internet. And it never dies, man. Internet lives forever. And I'll get into that. And all of us who use social media and discuss some of these issues discuss potential upcoming protests we all ought to be incredibly mindful of because in my mind, these are the facts that got Daniel Perry convicted of murder in Austin, Texas. We'll continue to take your calls as we always do. 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for the Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. And well, welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled you're with us. And we're talking about this case in Texas. And in specifically... We're talking about some things that Daniel Perry did not do to help his cause. And this is beforehand. This is before the night of the actual shooting. It was in July of 2020 during a protest. And he went out on social media, on Facebook. And one of the things he wrote was, quote, and this is, by the way, coming out of an article on The Guardian, so take it for what it's worth. But this is supposedly coming from evidence actually submitted at trial. And, and we'll talk about why this ultimately was found to be admissible at trial. But on May 31st of the same year, he posted, I might have to kill a few people on my way to work. They are rioting outside my apartment complex. Then he posted a link to a video, it was a news account apparently, and the story was protester, protester looters get shot in San Antonio, and he posted, glad someone finally did something. That's not too, that's not too horrible. Glad someone finally did something. When you look at the th prosecution's theory of this case, and by the way, there were others, where he was posting, talking about shooting protesters. The theory of the, of the prosecution's case is that Daniel Perry was driving essentially past a protest. He had a decision. He could go straight and to a large degree avoid the protest, or he could turn right and go toward the protesters. He did the latter. He turned toward the protesters. Other protesters who witnessed the events say when they saw the car approaching them, they felt threatened by the car. Now, you can believe that, you cannot believe it. You can say that's all BS, they're protesters, so by definition they're gonna support the person who got shot, by definition, they're going to be antagonistic toward the, towards the guy who does not sympathize with the looters. And that's all true in terms of where their sympathies would lie. But the theory of the case is that he had an attitude, he had an inclination toward vengeance or toward violence, 
toward protesters. When he saw the protesters, he made the decision to approach them. Approaching the protest in his car was when ultimately the quote-unquote victim walked up to his car carrying a rifle. That's when Daniel Perry shot Garrett Foster. So you unpack all of that, and the jury's the jury was told by the prosecutors, this isn't a case of self-defense. This is a guy who was angry about the protest, who multiple time, multiple times, posted violent or threatening messages on Facebook. He was looking to do what he did. He found an excuse to do it, and he killed someone. I'm not saying that's true. If you're just tuning into this, if you're listening to this, please. I ran into this on social media when I'm trying to explain the downside to saying things like that on social media. If you're involved in a shooting after the fact. And people come out and say, oh, you're excusing the protesters' conduct. Oh, you're excusing the violent protesters. Oh, you don't support the law of self-defense. I'm sorry. These are people on social media, I'm sure, who don't listen to my radio show, who don't know what I do for a living, don't know how hard I fought to improve the law of self-defense in Indiana, including writing word for every word in our self-defense immunity law. I wrote it, and we got it passed in 2019. So this is nothing about not supporting the law of self-defense or nothing with siding with protesters. I'm telling you how you can get yourself convicted of a crime when you otherwise might not. And here, if you want to dissect this, the first thing you got to point to in terms of contributing to the reason he was ultimately convicted, and you want to say the jury was biased? Sure. It's Austin. It's a liberal area. The prosecutor should have never prosecuted him. It was a, it was a liberal activist prosecutor. And I don't know whether this particular prosecutor was funded by George Soros, for instance, who was out spending millions and millions of dollars to get liberal prosecutors elected all across the country. I have no idea whether that applies to this case or not. But you want to say that? Okay. This could be a biased liberal prosecutor. This could be a biased jury. This could, there could have been witness after witness who lied because they were prejudiced in favor of the person who got shot and prejudiced against Daniel Perry, the defendant. Take that for what it's worth. But what Daniel Perry did not do to help himself is he, first of all, did not avoid the conflict. And people in my gun law class all the time, we're talking about the law of self-defense, we'll talk about defending yourself in a vehicle. And somebody says, man, Guy, if you see a protest, you're in your car, what should you do? And my first answer to that, and there are hundreds, if not a couple thousand people out there right now that have taken my gun law class so just in the last couple of years, I say avoid it. Get the hell away. There's a no-win situation for you. You don't want to put yourself in the middle of a bunch of protesters. But secondly, and again, well, I have the right to drive where I want to drive. Yes, yes, you do. There's legal and there's smart. And if you avoid a conflict, you know what? You don't ever go to jail for the results of a conflict that never happens. And that avoidance is huge. It's huge. Secondly, he put arguably violent or threatening posts on social media. And and look, I understand a lot of people 
including my fellow gun owners, like to t- talk tough on social media. You want to talk about how well, you're a law and order person, right? You're a law and order guy. You're a law and order lady. I, I, you'll, you'll defend what's yours with force if necessary. I get it. I've been teaching self-defense in addition to the law of self-defense for a lot longer than a lot of people have been alive in this state. I'm all about it. That's what I do for a living. That's what I support. That's what I advocate for. That's what I fight for. But we can put ourselves in a much better position if we don't things that do things that are knuckleheaded, like demonstrating a propensity or an inclination toward violence on social media. And when you say, I might have to kill some people leaving my apartment today because there are protests going on, that doesn't help you if you end up shooting someone. Why? Because it directly supported the prosecutor's theory of the case, which is he wasn't defending himself. He was looking for a fight. He was looking for protesters to shoot. And it is not a completely illegal interpret or illegal, unreasonable interpretation of the Facebook post to come out and say that. Now, again, did he mean it? Was he really violent? Was this legitimate self-defense? And he got just got caught up in a bad situation? That is all completely plausible. And somebody approaches my car in the middle of a protest slash riot, and he's carrying an AK-47, I'm going to have a gun damn ready to defend myself. God forbid, and my family if they're in the vehicle. So I'm not siding with the protesters here. I'm not siding with the prosecutor. I want to explain to people how you can take a legitimate claim of self-defense and still get convicted because of what you've done, what you've said, what you've posted, which is not helpful to you or your lawyers in the event, God forbid, you get caught up in a self-defense scenario. It's an important point. Well, Governor Abbott has chimed in. We'll get into that when we come back and talk a little bit about NRA annual meetings and talk about the Indiana law of self-defense and how it applies to this protest or, or riot situation. It's an important discussion. I talk about it for a lot longer in the classes I teach, but it's an important discussion, especially since at least one knucklehead, uh, if I had to guess, uh, nothing will come of this, but hey, it'd be naive not to expect something different. At least one knucklehead out on social media is talking about causing, quote unquote, good trouble here in Indianapolis during the upcoming NRA annual meeting. It starts this Thursday. Actually, some events even start Wednesday into the weekend this coming week right here in downtown Indianapolis. We'll get into all of that and go to the phone lines when we come back. Uh, Give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And I'll tell you what, before we get back in and wrap up the discussion on the situation in Austin, uh, we've had Chris who called in some time ago. Chris, welcome uh, to The Gun Guy Show, man. What do you got for us? Uh, I, I just had a question about uh, that video clip of Kid Rock uh, shooting those cases of Bud Light. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just wondered about the gun that he used. Is that is that gun legal to own? If so, I want one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well if anybody hasn't seen the video, and Chris, thanks for calling. Um, it's a full auto. Uh, it's a machine gun. And, yeah, I mean, machine guns are legal to own uh, in the U.S., um, if you have uh, an uh, a FFL, a federal firearms license, 
um, and you're you're authorized in um, uh, dealing in what we call Class Three firearms, then you can possess them for your own purpose. Uh, you can't sell them except to another uh, person who has the same type of license. But secondly, um, if the if the machine gun was manufactured before it's April of 1986, um, because essentially automatic firearms were were banned uh, in 1986, uh, but there was an exemption for anything that was already in private hands. So if you can find one that goes back that far, then you can you can buy it. Now, as you might guess, being that limited, they're incredibly expensive. But clearly that isn't a problem for Kid Rock. So if I had to guess, um, I doubt that he's an FFL SOT, uh, quote-unquote, that would allow him uh, to to have a more modern machine gun. If I had to guess, it's more likely that that's a a pre-ban fully automatic firearm. And I haven't tried that hard to identify the particular firearm from the video we posted. But if I had to guess, that's a pre-ban machine gun. And uh, and you can you can it's an FFL uh, excuse me it's a NFA item meaning it's regulated by the National Firearms Act um, so you have to go through the whole NFA registration process but if you do that you can own a machine gun machine guns aren't, aren't illegal uh, as long as you go through that NFA registration process and it's a pre ban machine gun they're just few and and far between so they're very very expensive uh, but in the meantime we'll wrap up the discussion of uh, what happened uh, in Austin. Uh, and specifically, the idea that this gentleman has been uh, convicted. He was convicted as much for what he posted on social media, where he indicated a willingness to shoot people who were protesting at the time. And yes, we've all got First Amendment rights. There's what's constitutional, there's what's legal, what you're able to do, and there's what's smart. And where you've gone out and posting these things, it did not help him. Now, the good news is, if you favor the law of self-defense and you believe he was unjustly convicted, because he was just convicted of murder, if you believe that that's unfair or unjust, Governor Abbott down there just came out and said, I'm going to pardon this guy at the absolute first opportunity. And someone uh, just needs to tell me exactly what the timing is for when I can step in and give this guy a pardon. So he may go home at the end of the day. But for right now, he's been convicted by a jury of murder, and in large part, that's because he didn't avoid the conflict when he could and because of knuckleheaded things he'd posted on social media. Those are important points we all need to keep in mind for those of us who carry guns. In the meantime, we're coming up to the end of the first hour. It's time to take a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. And welcome back to hour number two of The Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're glad you're with us. And in discussing this shooting during the protests, if not riots, in Austin that just resulted in the uh, Uber driver who says he was defending himself uh, against 
a violent protester with an AK-47, he was convicted. Now, Governor Abbott down there just came out and said he's going to pardon him at his first opportunity. So he may likely still go free, but there are lessons to be learned in that. And it comes to mind when looking at some things that I just saw on social media today, and I uh, I took a screenshot of it, as I mentioned at the top of the show, because I didn't want to drive anybody to this person's actual Twitter account. But some knucklehead on Twitter posted, and this is some guy with under 100 followers, so it's not like... He's got a huge following. And that's another reason why I don't want to drive any more traffic uh, to his his Twitter account. But he posted the NRA annual convention is in Indianapolis, April 14 to 16, 2023. Might be a good place to start some, quote, good trouble, end quote. And then hashtag Occupy NRA. And you read this and you're thinking, okay, listen. And again, I mentioned this at the top of the show. I, I make a living out of defending all constitutional rights. Obviously, I have a focus on the Second Amendment. But the First Amendment is no less vital to this country. And if anybody wants to show up and peacefully protest the NRA or the people who are attending the convention, the annual meeting is what NRA calls it, then knock yourself out. Exercise your constitutional rights. It begs the question, of course, of what exactly is, quote-unquote, good trouble. If good trouble is just loudly exercising your First Amendment rights, I'm all for it. Go for it. You won't bother me. I'm going to be there for a lot, if not necessarily all, of that annual meeting. It starts this Thursday with some preliminary events uh, happening Wednesday evening. It's going to be primarily in the convention center, downtown Indy. And and let me pause there and talk a little bit about NRA and NRA annual meeting. Look, I've I've been fairly vocal about having an issue with the very top leadership of NRA. The leadership, in particular, of Wayne LaPierre. Some of the details that have come out about his spending, his travel expenses, about him billing the NRA for massive quantities of money for things like tailor-made suits and vacations and some things, that bothers me. And and it it bothers me, one, because I don't want my money going to send this guy on vacations, but separately, it bothers me because we need NRA. NRA is vitally important. And people have a lot of problems with NRA. People will criticize the NRA because, for instance, they see the NRA compromising. And has the NRA compromised? Yes. The NRA came out after the Las Vegas shooting and said they essentially invited Congress to go in and pass a law. And in in terms, ultimately, this happened not with a law, but with ATF. And this this is what NRA invited. They said... We think ATF ought to, ought, to, ought to take a look at bump stocks and whether they ought to be legal or not. And the ATF essentially banned them. And this is under President Trump. So this is President Trump and NRA who were complicit in this, who said, let's ban bump stocks. And not through an act of Congress, 
but through ATF regulation. Now, at least one federal court, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, has found that to be unenforceable, that it was exercise of legislative authority by an agency which doesn't pass laws or change laws. It's supposed to only implement the law and enforce the law. Three other federal circuits have found that to be just fine and upheld it. But NRA supported that. And NRA, and I've talked to leadership at NRA, not Wayne LaPierre individually, but others who have said, hey, we had more to lose like a potential resurrection of the assault weapon ban, since multiple quote-unquote assault weapons, as liberals like to label them, were used in the Las Vegas shooting. And we had more to lose. So, yeah, we compromised and we gave up bump stocks. Nobody much likes bump stocks, so it was a good trade. Hey, look, I think bump stocks are stupid. You essentially sacrifice accuracy for rate of fire. I don't think that's a good trade. I would not own a bump stock. I make fun of people historically who would bring bump stocks to my range when I ran Eagle Creek Pistol Range. I'm no fan of bump stocks, but at the same time, it's not something like, it's not a situation where you can appease these people and make them happy so they go away. It's just the opposite. It's letting the the camel's nose under the tent is a better metaphor. So a lot of people were upset about NRA over that. People are still upset going all the way back to 1986 with the so-called Hughes Amendment when the NRA supported a compromise to essentially outlaw or ban machine guns that were not either imported or manufactured prior to April of 1986. The NRA was involved in that compromise because there were those who wanted more strict gun control than that. So they gave one thing to avoid worse gun control. A lot of people are critical of that. And listen, you can be critical of NRA. I can be critical of Wayne LaPierre's personal spending. I can be critical of compromises they've reached. But what I always say in terms of NRA, and by the way, do I think the ultimate leadership of NRA should be revisited? Do I Would I like to see a different head leader of NRA. Yes, I would. I think Wayne LaPierre's lost credibility. But in the meantime, what I always will say, and this is this is vitally important. By the way, one of the reasons I started the 2A project is because I didn't want to lose any momentum. I didn't want to lose any protection right here in Indiana for Second Amendment rights when the NRA was going through some tough times. The NRA getting sued in Washington and in New York for essentially misuse of membership funds for these some of these exorbitant travel expenses and other expenses. And then and they have they had their tax status put in jeopardy. But all that having been said, I'm still a member of NRA. I'm a benefactor level member of NRA. Why? Because we need a strong, well-funded NRA. We need that at the national level. We do. Is the current NRA as strong as it could be? No. Has it been mismanaged at the very top? I think so. But make no mistake, we need a strong, influential NRA as gun owners. And there's just no question about that. I've been to most of the NRA annual meetings over the last seven or eight, nine years. They're coming here every five years. 
Or is that four? Yeah, it'll be four. Because they were here in 2019. Now they're coming back into 2023. The NRA annual meeting, however you feel about NRA, and again, I'm still a member. I still support the NRA. I've been I've, I've been saying I'm not sending them any more money until I see a change in national leadership. But we need NRA, and we need a strong, influential, powerful NRA. There's no question about that. Because there are way too many forces and way too much money pouring in on the other side trying to strip our rights away. But the annual meeting's coming up here the 14th to the 16th. And here you got at least one person saying, well, this might be a good time to start some good trouble in downtown Indy with a hashtag Occupy Indy NRA. We'll talk a little more about that and talk about what I think an appropriate response to this is, if, if any response at all, and as well as taking your questions and comments as well. You want to talk about NRA? You want to talk about your views? Uh, you want to argue with me on on my idea that we need still need to support NRA in the, in the, in the sense that we need a strong, well-funded NRA? Uh, feel free. Give us a call. 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. i also tell you why, right here in Indiana, why we have some reason uh, for hope, I think, in terms of some positive and influential changes within the leadership of NRA. We'll talk about that when we come back as well. Right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled you're with us. So the NRA annual meetings are coming up this week. And by the way, however you feel about NRA, and and look, I still support them. Uh, I want them to reform. I mentioned before the break, good reason to be a bit optimistic about NRA, at least from our perspective here as Hoosiers, is we now have three people from Indiana who are on the board of directors. Now, it's a big board. There's a lot of board members. But Charlie Hiltunen is also president of the Indiana State Rifle and Pistol Association, good friend of mine. Senator Jim Toms, who wrote our preemption law. Uh, he's down from Poseyville, down by Evansville. And, and Jim's been one of the leading proponents of Second Amendment rights in Indiana for a long time, and a good, and a good man. He and I have had our differences from time to time but but I like Jim, and he's done uh, a awful lot for Indiana gun owners in, in terms of protecting, preserving, and even advancing our rights. Our preemption law is one of the most important laws we have, where it says local governments can't regulate firearms, with only limited exceptions. And Jim Toms wrote that. He got it passed, and it wasn't easy, because a lot of local governments fought very hard to be able to regulate firearms. So Jim is now on the NRA board as well. And... Uh, and, and, and it's great to have that Indiana presence. So we need a strong, powerful NRA. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm always excited when the NRA annual meeting comes to Indy. I've been to several in other cities. I've been to Nashville, been to Louisville, been to Atlanta, been to Houston. And the fact that it, it's back with COVID being more or less behind us, it's back to full strength. I'm really looking forward to the annual meetings. I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, down there uh, during the meetings to the extent I can uh, get away from work a little bit here and there. But we need a strong, powerful NRA. But during these meetings, even if, you, even if you're someone who's decided you don't support the NRA, and listen, a lot of people uh, have come to the 2A Project, the, the group that I started uh, in 2020. A lot of folks uh, came to the, the, the 2A Project because they wanted something Indiana-based and focused on the, the rights of, of Hoosiers. Uh, 
as well as federal law to the extent it impacts us here. And I appreciate that a lot. But look, it's not they're not mutually exclusive. You only have we all only have so much disposable income. I get it. But in terms of supporting multiple organizations, I'm not giving up my NRA membership anytime soon, not by a long stretch. But I'm excited when they come here. But as I started to say, no matter how you feel about NRA, is the the exhibitors, the vendors, I mean, it's a wonderful collection of self-defense and firearms-related uh, uh, displays and merchants, exhibitors. Um, it was fun last time they were here. You know, NRA TV has since imploded uh, as part of uh, NRA's reorganization and some disputes they had with their advertising agency. But I used to be a weekly guest uh, on NRA TV, and I loved it. It was a lot of fun, and I did uh, NRA TV. I did three, three or four different segments down there, did my show live from the NRA annual meeting. Next weekend, I'm actually doing uh, live radio uh, from a remote broadcast, but it's not going to be actually in the meeting. Tony Katz and I are both going to be at a Premier Arms, a great sponsor, great advertiser here on WIBC. And Tony and I are actually going to be at Premier Arms. We hope a lot of people uh, break away from the annual meeting and come uh, out and join us there. But the annual meeting is fabulous, man. A lot of new guns and gear. Uh, the SHOT Show in Las Vegas, which is uh, earlier in the year, that's really for members of the industry. That's for FFLs, Federal Firearms Licensees, vendors, manufacturers, instructors, people that run gun ranges. It's sort of the professional organization. NRA's for the grassroots member. And the vendors are going to be there. a bunch of new products, uh, uh, whether it's guns or safes or accessories or optics or whatever. And, and it's acres and acres and acres. It's the whole convention center. And I'm excited for it. I always am. But that brings us back to the discussion, which is that at least one guy out on social media is saying it's t- it might be a good time for some good trouble to instigate against NRA or against NRA members or other people here in downtown Indy under the hashtag OccupyIndyNRA. And listen, uh, do I think that's going to manifest itself? No. We've seen counter-protests every time NRA annual meetings been here. We've been here two other times, if my memory serves. And hey, protest away, man. First Amendment. Right? It's right up there with the second. And we and and they have constitutional rights just like we do, but let's say and and I'm not predicting this at all. In fact, I'm predicting just the opposite. I think the counter protests or uh, counter gatherings of whatever form, um, just like in past years, I think won't amount to anything at all. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that they turn into more of a violent type protest. Let's say the crowds get out of hand. Let's say they, they, they get a bunch of these Antifa-type people in town whose job it is, whose mission it is, whose clear goal it is to start violence, to start riots. We saw it in 2020. We saw it right here in Indianapolis. And here's at least one knucklehead with only a handful of followers calling on people to come in and start, quote-unquote, good trouble here in Indianapolis. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be much ado about nothing in terms of counter-protests or anything along those lines. That's my prediction, and I hope I'm right. But let's say I'm not. Let's say this good trouble, as this guy's talking about on social media, let's say that turns into a real protest. 
something along the lines of what we saw after the prosecutions and the not guilty verdicts in particular, or excuse me, guilty verdicts, I should say, but even after the the killing of George Floyd is what I meant to say, that we saw these all across the country, right, including right here in Indianapolis. We saw protests that turned into riots with a lot of destruction, a lot of violence. People lost their lives. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, just as a hypothetical, that that starts breaking out here in downtown Indianapolis. And you're down here. You're in your car. You get caught in the middle of a protest. What's Indiana law say about your ability to defend yourself, defend your vehicle, and what are some lessons we can learn from what just happened in Austin, Texas, and the conviction for murder of Daniel Perry, who shot a protester who was approaching his car, he's an Uber driver, with an AK-47. We'll get into all those things when we come back. Right now, we're approaching the bottom of the hour. We, again, want to take your calls and questions uh, as we always do here on the Gun Guy Show, give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We'll be right back. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for the Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So, by the way, one thing I want to make very, very, very sure of is that nobody thinks I'm predicting there's going to be any kind of violent riots or, or, or violent protests as part of the NRA annual meeting. I'm predicting exactly the opposite. Um, I've been to, gosh seven or eight annual meetings now over the last few years. Again, Louisville, Nashville, Atlanta, Houston. And there's always a handful of, of protesters. And, hey, that's our right, man. I value those rights. I can disagree with what they say, but still absolutely uh, love the fact that they have a right to come out and protest. And and I, w- I would put my life on the line to defend anybody's constitutional rights, whether first or second, or any of the others, uh, because they're, they're that near and dear to me. So I, 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 it's important, and they have a right to protest if they want to protest. Now, when we've seen protests, and, we, and there are instigators out there. We know that it's Antifa group, which I still laugh at. Supposedly means anti-fascism. Who are the fascists? You know, who, who are the people who want to not allow other messages to get out? Who, who are the people that want to use violence to communicate their message? Who are the people that will beat you up or kill you because they simply disagree with you on a particular issue? It's not gun owners. That's Antifa. So who are the fascists here? But there are groups out there, and I'm sure there some out there would, would love to see uh, some instigation, would love to see something approaching a riot. I, I am predicting exactly the opposite. I think it'll be a great meeting. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to spend as much time there as I possibly can, realizing I've got a full work schedule next week. Um, but I plan on doing some appearances. Um, and I wish NRA TV was still around because that was a lot of fun. I, I, I loved uh, going on uh, Grant Stinchfield's show every Wednesday 
Uh, I did Dana Lash's show uh, routinely, sometimes two, three, uh, or more times a week uh, going on her show on NRA TV. I did a live show with Dana Lash uh, from the NRA annual meeting when it was here in 2019. In fact, when we got Church Carry, and you've heard me talk about that before, uh, when we got church carry passed, we got the free five-year license passed, and we got my self-defense immunity bill. I say mine. I wrote it. Jim Lucas um, introduced it in the legislature and was the real hero of it there with Ben Smaltz really leading the, the charge for both the, the free five-year license as well as um, the church carry bill, which now allows us to carry a gun uh, while attending a worship service or a religious ceremony, even if there's a school on the same grounds or in the same building. When we got all those things done, uh, Governor Holcomb signed that bill from the stage at the leadership conference at the NRA annual meeting. And it was awesome. And right then, I went straight from that, from Governor Holcomb signing that during their leadership conference in the RCA Dome, and 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 hustled right th- down through the tunnel and back up into the convention center and did the Dana Lash show live from uh, on NRA TV. So I, it was just a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. I encourage everybody to come down and attend. Um, I'd love to see a record-breaking crowd and have Indy be the largest NRA annual meeting ever. And that's my prediction. I think protests, counter-protests will be much ado about nothing. And we've seen that before. I mean, I, I laughed when I was in Nashville for the NRA annual meeting, and Moms Demand Action had about 18 people there. And But I went by as they were staging a picture, and it was hilarious because they went over and they got on this slight hill that was just right off a, a city park uh, in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And I love Nashville. I love hanging out in Nashville. Indy could learn a lot of lessons on how to attract tourists and, and, and entertainment uh, and, uh, and 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 a lot of other good things to their downtown. Nashville has got that figured out, I think, pretty well, a little better than we do. But anyway, I was there in Nashville, and they were staging this picture for Moms Demand Action, and they were on this little hill where they had the photographer like almost lying on the ground, and then they had like six people wide in the in in the picture frame with with like six more people behind them, and they staggered them going up this hill. And, and 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 I could tell what they were doing because they had somebody directing people around about where to stand and whatnot. And they took a real narrow field of view photo, and it made it look like there was this massive crowd of Moms Demand Action protesters there when literally there was less than 20. It was less than a couple of dozen you know, compared to like 80,000 gun owners who were there attending the annual meeting. So that part was a little bit laughable. I think that's what you're going to see at this year's meeting. But a lot of what we do here on the Gun Guy Show is education, right? A lot of what we do is talking about the law and how the law applies, including to different hypothetical scenarios. And one of those is, is what if? Well, let's even go back. More likely scenario is, is let's say, if you were caught up in the protest down here in, in, in Indy during, again, as Hammer and Nigel say, the summer of love in 2020, when we saw a lot of destruction, we saw people lose their lives here in downtown Indy. You're caught up in a riot situation. And it's violent. And people surround your car. What are the rules? How does the law of self-defense work in that situation? Well, first of all, I can tell you, and this is a thousand percent true, and I this is the strongest possible advice I can give you on this circumstance, is avoid it at all and every opportunity. You see a, a, what looks to be a riot, anything looks violent, anything unruly, people in the streets, you're in your vehicle, 
avoid, avoid, avoid. Because nothing good's going to happen. So if you can possibly avoid it, again, we have this mutual combatant rule. We have initial aggressor rule. What's that mean? If you're a mutual combatant, meaning you're willfully participating in a conflict, or you were the initial aggressor, you started the conflict, you can lose your ability to claim self-defense. And that was a big problem for Daniel Perry in Texas because he drove toward the protest when he could have driven a different direction. That was a big theory of the prosecution. And, 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 and because of his social media posts, they said he was looking for the fight. He'd already said, I might have to shoot some people. In the, in the weeks prior to that protest unfolding, and those events unfolding. So he's talking about shooting protesters. Then he drives toward a protest. Those were not good facts. And I'm not saying he's guilty of anything. Somebody approaches my car with an AK-47 during the middle of a damn riot, I'm going to be prepared to defend myself. So what's what's best option number one? Priority number one? Avoid the whole damn thing. And look, it's not cowardly. It's prudent and smart to avoid any scenario where you might have to use deadly force. But let's say there's no opportunity. You're on a street, you come around a corner, and suddenly you're surrounded by protesters. Now, if they're just protesting, they're exercising their First Amendment rights, no harm, no foul. You have no ability ability to use force in self-defense or otherwise. But now let's say they're, they're slapping your car, they're patting on your car, they're pounding on your windows. You see somebody walking up to your window with a baseball bat on one side and a tire iron on the other. You remember the the videos going all the way back to the Rodney King riots, right? Where you saw a truck driver truck driver during those riots get 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 stopped in South Central LA and get pulled out of his car and beaten to death. I'll never forget a concrete block being thrown at that guy's head. You know, those images are fresh in your mind. Do I want to get hauled out of my vehicle and beaten to death in the middle of a protest or a riot? Of course not. So what's what's the law say? First thing to remember in that scenario, if you're in your vehicle, and again, I'm, I'm, over, I'm, put, I'm kind of using as an overlay here the facts of the Daniel Perry case and the law of Indiana. If you're in your vehicle, Indiana actually extends the same protection to your occupied motor vehicle. It's your car, and it's occupied. We extend the same protections to your occupied motor vehicles we do your home. Our Castle Doctrine, quote-unquote, says you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to defend your home. If you reasonably believe that's necessary to prevent or terminate an unlawful entry of or attack on your home, your dwelling, in the words of the statute, we extend that to your occupied motor vehicle. So I can prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on my occupied motor vehicle, including with deadly force. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, I drive a truck or a four-wheel drive vehicle or, you know, I'm surrounded. I'm just going to punch the gas. I'm going to put it to the floor because I'm now threatened. uh, There's an unlawful attack on my vehicle going on. I can do what's necessary to get out of that. Here's the big problem. I talk about that exact scenario in my gun law class. Big problem. When someone's attacking your vehicle, 
Can you defend yourself against that attack? Yes. What about innocent people who were just protesting, who were just exercising their First Amendment rights, who happened to be in the front of your car when you punched the gas? And keep in mind, there's going to be video, there's going to be surveillance video they're going to get from the city. They're going to be people with their phones out, as they always are anymore. And there's going to be there's the, the, the potential for someone to be, you know, the high school honor student who's just exercising their First Amendment rights. They get run over in that scenario. They weren't the one pounding on your car. They weren't the one trying to break your window with a baseball bat. And you run over them. What's going to happen? You're going to go to jail. Again, that's why avoidance is so key. And people don't like hearing that. I get called all kinds of names. Oh, you, you don't really support the Second Amendment. Or, oh, you don't respect people's rights. I'm going to defend myself when necessary, and I don't care what you have. So, hey, I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm telling you what's smart and what's legal. That's why avoidance has got to be priority number one. But secondly, let's say that person is now swinging a tire iron or baseball bat, and they just broke my window. Now that same person's reaching in, trying to grab me and haul me out through the window. Is that an unlawful entry of or attack on my occupied motor vehicle? Yes. The law of the state of Indiana says I can defend myself with reasonable force in that scenario. And by the way, very importantly, he says there's no duty to retreat. Once that threat arises and that unlawful entry is attempted or underway, at that moment, now I no longer have any duty to retreat. I could defend myself. That's what, why we call it a stand-your-ground law. Now, is that a happy scenario? Is that going to end well in every circumstance? When we have a prosecutor like Ryan Mears here in Marion County? Oh, hell no. Would Do I think Ryan Mears would look for an opportunity to prosecute someone attending the NRA annual meeting in lieu of a protester? Downtown Indianapolis. Well, I'll leave that. I'll leave that question unanswered. But I think the question's rhetorical. But the law says you can defend yourself. However, keep in mind: how do you lose your ability to claim self-defense if you're the initial aggressor, or you're a mutual combatant, or you provoked the unlawful action? How can you get portrayed as doing any of those things by driving toward the protest? That's what happened in Austin. Again, I'm not blaming Daniel Perry for any of this, but those facts did not help him, and I guarantee you led a long way toward assisting the prosecution and getting a, getting a guilty verdict. But the law says, because our Castle Doctrine applies to your occupied motor vehicle, you can defend that occupied motor vehicle. I'll tell you what, I'm a little past the three-quarter hour, so it's time to take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this discussion when we come back, we'll be right back for the last segment of the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WYBC. And welcome back for what's going to be a bit of a short last segment here on the Gun Guy Show. We're glad you stuck around. I uh, hope you stick around for Ethan Hatcher and uh, Saturday Night on the Circle as well. So to wrap up that discussion, so yes, in your vehicle, because Indiana extends our Castle Doctrine, where it allows you to defend your home, you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to prevent or terminate. You have to have this reasonable belief that you're preventing or terminating an unlawful entry into or attack your, of your occupied motor vehicle. You're out in public. The general self-defense statute applies as well, which is you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to prevent a forcible felony 
or to prevent serious bodily injury to you or a third person. Now, that's what the rule says. That's what the law says. What's my personal philosophy? I will go a long way to avoid using any force against someone, much less deadly force. Now, if it, if it comes down to it, will I defend my life, defend my family, more importantly? Absolutely, I will. So the reasons I became an instructor, a competitive shooter, um, and, and, and why I, I, I train several times a year. I, I want to be equipped, prepared to do that if necessary. But that doesn't mean I want to. It's just the opposite. I will go a long way. Because, listen, I've defended people who have used deadly force, who have shot someone. It's not a pleasant process. It's an expensive process. Um, and there's every possibility, depending on the circumstances, you can actually be convicted of a crime. And we saw that with Daniel Perry in Austin here just last week. But the law allows you to use that force. The law also, because we have a stand-your-ground law, does not require you to run away first once you have that reasonable fear that you're preventing serious bodily injury, the commission of a forcible felony, or you're preventing or terminating that unlawful entry of or attack on your vehicle. That having said that, if I can get away from a protest, get away from an attack on my vehicle without using deadly force, will I do that every single time? Absolutely. I'll avoid it if I can. I'll run away from it as long as I'm not endangering someone else in the process. Oh, that sounds cowardly, guy. Hey, knock yourself out. Call me names. That's what's smart. That's what's prudent. And I'll guarantee you Daniel Perry wishes he did that, whether he gets a pardon from Governor Abbott or not. That That's it for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope come back next week. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC.